I'm Kev Zettler. I'm Chal. And I'm Jim Stormdancer, and this is Topic Lords, the only place on the internet you can hear topics discussed. Kev, would you like to introduce yourself, or do you have anything to plug? Yeah, so I just wanted to plug my website, radcade.com. It's the raddest place to play web games. Check it out. I heard you just added Time Slaughter. Yeah, classic uh, Bloodlust software uh, masterpiece. <laughs> cool. Playing video games on the internet. And, and Chal, what, uh, do you want to introduce yourself or do you have anything to plug? Yeah, I'm Chris Hall. I program video games. How's that going? Uh, it's, it's going. We're trying to turn a VR game into a Zoom game right now. I don't know if I can say that. Yeah, if, you, if it turns out you can't say that, let me know. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure we've, uh, we've said that a bunch of times. Oh, what okay. Just... All right, good. Yeah. Are you ready for some topics? I'm ready for some topics. Fired up. It's topic time. All right, Joel, your topic is Rick Astley's YouTube channel in 2020. Yeah, so this is something that the algorithm decided I should know about maybe a month ago. But Rick Astley, of Rick Astley fame, uh, has a YouTube channel and like does like acoustic guitar and singing covers of just like random pop songs of the last, you know, 10 or 20 years. Wow. Just guy on couch with guitar yeah i i think he's standing so in that sense it's it's different but like and you know he he his hair is identical to what it is in the never gonna give you up video but uh his face looks like he's he's just like a, a man now or before he was like you know bordering on a boy right definitely well and that was part of the fun of that I think the reason he's famous is that it was that voice coming out of that face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So now he has an appropriate face for his voice. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's just like, it's so weird to me. I don't know why this is so weird to me that he's just doing these pop song covers. Um, the ones I've heard so far don't have like any particular like twist or anything to them. They just sound like a, a professional and skilled singer is, is covering songs on an acoustic guitar. Uh, right. with a really good voice and microphone but it's just like thanks youtube cool i did i did uh i did see youtube throw these up in my recommendations i was slightly intrigued because you know dude i always enjoy uh never gonna give you up by rick astley when that comes on i'll intentional i'll intentionally click on you know rick rolls because i dig that it's got that 80s vibe it's a good pop song hell yeah, yeah hell yeah um, but yeah, Chris, did you check out any of the tracks? Because that's as far as I went was being like, oh, cool. He's, he's doing his thing now. Yeah. I listened to two of them and discovered, so he's, he's been like kind of doing stuff, uh, for a while or like the whole time, I guess. I think he's might be touring still, but, um, only very recently, I think, did he start doing these, these songs, uh, these covers and they're, yeah, I listened to like two of them and they're, they're enjoyable. Uh, and I just really wonder why I want like, did the YouTube algorithm pick this for you and me just because everyone else who saw it was like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> like, did you two like do a lot of Rick rolling back in the day? Not really. I've been Rick rolled on everything, but I, I can't say I've ever intentionally Rick rolled someone, you know? Yeah. I mean, for me, I've probably done a below average amount of Rick rolling. Uh, assuming, of course, that the average is 
pushed up by a few people who have rickrolled many hundreds or thousands of times. Right, right, right. Yeah, there's there's Rickroll Jorg in living who lives in a cave and has <laughs> Rickrolled people over a billion times. <laughs> so I was I was tripping out about this recently. Would you guys consider Rick Astley part of a, like a cyberpunk culture? Like, uh, you know, you consider internet culture kind of cyberpunk in that vein. Does that make Rick Astley like a cyberpunk celebrity to some effect? I, I think so. The celebrity, he's like the patron saint of being disappointed. <laughs> Dude, I dig, I dig that. That's very appropriate. But only him as like a boy. A boy with a big man voice. <laughs> but, but it's the same voice though, right? I mean, it's, it's like a little bit different now. It just sounds like slightly older. Yeah, and it doesn't have that same 80s production values. Yeah, it it has full, you know, like 44 kilohertz quality now. Right. When you say a pa- when you say patron saint Jim, now I feel like I need like a dashboard model of Rick Astley or something that bounces around. <laughs> like a bobblehead with Rick Astley on a cross. <laughs> yeah, there's a necklace that would be a good conversation piece. Uh, the, well, the problem with that is it's like if wearing one of those satirical red hats with a a variant of Make America Great Again is that no one can tell it's a joke unless they get real close to you. Yeah. So, like, unless someone's, like, got a, what do you call a, a jeweler's loop and who's looking <laughs> at the face of this crucifix, I mean, you'll know. Yeah, be like, wait, is this is this that guy that I saw on, on YouTube who's doing covers of pop songs now? <laughs> <laughs> The the whole like YouTube algorithm picking random things and showing everyone. That's a thing, right? That more than just I have noticed. Yeah, there's like trending and, you know, promoting yeah. videos that they'll try to push on everyone. There's one that would show up on my feed a while back, which was like, man builds house out of like sticks and mud over 30 days. And it would have like 30 million views on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like everybody, everybody wants to go back to nature now. Yeah, it's it's like it must be that, right? Because like the only alternative is that somewhere deep within the statistics, YouTube itself decides that maybe we need to just learn how to make stick houses. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would that would imply some sort of benevolence on the part of the AI. <laughs> I think that's that's probably a bridge too far. The AI only wants you to feel shame. (laughs) (laughs) It's got to be like, what do you think the dancing baby is doing now? The dancing baby, I somehow managed to completely avoid that meme during the early internet years. Like people, people reference it. Oh, the dancing baby, the nineties. I had I was had no idea what that was. Totally dodged it. Like I didn't even know it was the thing. I also don't know if I know what this is. I'm going to look it up real fast just to... Wow, I'm I'm super old now. <laughs> I don't think that's true, Jim. I was there and yeah, I yeah, you yeah. Know, recall people talking about it. Just like what what kind of forums was that trending on or how did that like hit pop culture and make it to the lexicon, you know? That was on Ally McBeal. See, I've never seen an episode of Ally McBeal that... I'm just I, I don't think I have either. Like I, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't I don't know how early memes propagated, honestly. Did they have AOL keywords back then? Yeah, that's a good question. 
Also, I I, de- I saw the baby and I don't think I recognize the baby. Uh, but now that I've seen like a screen cap of the baby, I'm afraid of the baby. <laughs> oh, I bet there's like a machine learning upres of the dancing baby. <laughs> oh, that would be sick. Oh, no wonder the YouTube algorithm is so bent on just giving us weird stuff. It's what we gave it. It's our fault. <laughs> yeah. The the dancing baby, like just just looking at it, it it kind of makes me think of like those those memes of just like super low production value three D animations, yeah, like yeah. the the success horse or like the the dancing bear, yeah. where it's like this is my animation class. Also, I'm trying I'm trying to visualize this thing. It's just like a <laughs> like a low poly like it's a it's a gif, right? And it's like a blender low poly animated baby, right? That's just, that's yeah, just right. I, I so I I found this I found a YouTube video. It's not a, a deep learning thing. Somebody actually found the original model and animation and re-rendered it at 1080p oh, wow. and 60 frames per second. <laughs> that reminds me of a thread I just saw. You guys may have seen this. Somebody was trying to like reverse engineer the original Diddy Kong 3D model from Donkey Kong Country. And Whoa. so they, they had like just video footage of this model in like some promotional VHS tape that Rare put out with the original Donkey Kong Country. And so right. they, they took this video footage and fed it into like some machine learning thing to uh, render it into 3D, uh, basically like trace the, uh, the model, the vertices or whatever from the video footage. And it did not come out as expected and was <laughs> kind of like a Frankenstein looking thing. So yikes. I'm With, hoping it's got that it's like got that Jesus retouch energy. Oh yeah. It, oh. it, it definitely <laughs> does. And like baked in VHS artifacts. And you yeah. know, just just like <laughs> weird craters where the shadows are because uh, you know, the the ML model can't figure out if it's uh extrusions or not or whatever. Right. I feel like I gotta, I gotta go through the show notes of this before they even come out and just do some research, get myself up to speed. <laughs> yeah, start writing them right now. The show notes colon memes. <laughs> it's it's you've been writing these show notes your entire life. Yeah, <laughs> been writing themselves. Are we are we ready for another topic? I'm really sad to let this one go, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you've got more, like, even if you want to just give it another moment to think about, if you want to say, say something, that's fine. There's, I, there's, there's nothing to say, really. It's just... Would you like to give Rick, Atle- Rick Astley's YouTube channel in 2020 a moment of silence? Yeah, but not because it's bad. Because it's, cause it's worth a look. Yeah, Okay. I, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna make us sit here for thirty seconds. I'll just insert thirty seconds of silence into the podcast uh, in post. Yeah. What are the ethics of creating a moment of silence in post? <laughs> That's. Uh, I'll have to ask the Dalai Lama. <laughs> yeah, you'll, you'll know soon, I guess. <laughs> yeah. If it depends if I go straight to hell or not.
I'm probably going to binge these covers after this uh, this podcast here. We all will. We'll, 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 give the, we'll give Rick Astley the Topic Lord's bump. You're, you're welcome, Rick. <laughs> Happy to help. Uh, Kev, your topic is unconsciously adjusting for sensory deficiencies. Yeah, so this is... I forget why I wrote this, but it's basically the idea of as you get older and your hearing starts to go or your vision starts to go and you start compensating for it and then you get used to this baseline of compensation and you forget that you're maybe deficient or not. So like for me, you know, I'm supposed to be wearing glasses, but I don't wear glasses a lot of the times and, uh, you know, I'm just compensating in other manners like I've totally memorized the layout of my apartment and am kind of blind otherwise did you memorize the 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 eye test that they give you at the at the DMV yeah yeah it's a little it's a bit to that level right like you go in and you're like okay yeah this this seems familiar I've looked this over and you know you're not doing yourself any favors uh doing that but it's just kind of already mentally ingrained. So, you know, if yeah. you, you guys can relate to that, could be a, some interesting stories there. I feel like I'm, I'm just starting to kind of get into that territory um, with, with vision, but I'm blessed with pretty good vision. So I've just noticed that I have like a unbelievable amount of floaters and I'm like, you know, could be worse. I could be wearing glasses like Kev. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, for me, my hearing is also pretty shot because I played in a band for many years and just like oh, shit. stood right next to the amps, like super cool and everything. So now I have like my low end frequency hearing is bad. So I can't hear like, you know, bassy deep stuff or like people talking like yeah, you know, but I can hear high pitched noises like high tech. You just tenor. can't hear Rick Astley's voice at all. Yeah, probably not, <laughs> dude. I'm, I'm not gonna be able to enjoy this Rick channel. Can you like give yourself an EQ? Like, yeah, I think so. There's a lot of apps and stuff out there that you know do that automatically for you now. Like, you can listen through your headphones to your phone, and then your phone will automatically like eq uh ambient noise and stuff around you yeah i haven't cool. tried any of this stuff yet but yeah it seems like a solvable problem but then you just would for you forget you have headphones on you, you adjust to the headphones that's that's kind of how glasses work from my understanding is you know your eyes get used to the glasses and adjust to them after a while and it's almost like you you sometimes don't want to wear glasses so you're exercising your eyes if that makes sense I, I guess I should do that. Like I take them <laughs> off in the shower. Yeah, I guess you could collect data on that, uh, Jim, based on based on just however long you've been wearing them, except in the shower. It would be like the guy who only cracked knuckles on one of his hands. <laughs> Is that to, a thing? Yeah, this really this oh, is yeah. really a, an experiment, a long running experiment that somebody did to test the hypothesis that cracking your knuckles causes arthritis. Does did, it? Yeah, and he did. He didn't get any more arthritis in the knuckle cracking hand than in the one that he didn't crack the knuckles in. So that's great news. It's proven bullshit. Yeah, with at least one sample. Thanks, science. That's all I need. Well, it could be one sample per knuckle. That that knuckle cracking story reminds me of this crazy story I have from high school. A trigger warning for body horror, I guess. The story Kev is about to tell is horrifying about how some kids he knew in school would 
deliberately injure their hands repeatedly. If that's not something you want in your life, skip ahead to about 20 minutes and 15 seconds. There were two guys who would do what's called a bone trick. And uh, <laughs> sounds bad. A, a bone trick is they would periodically break one of their fingers at the knuckle joint so that it would swell up and heal. So they eventually had these big, like, mutated, giant-looking knuckles after it healed up. And yeah, this is this is. <laughs> It's amazing. Yeah, it's it's crazy. There was like a there's a whole year of like high school where these dudes were just they're like the bone trick brothers, and they're just <laughs> trying trying to out knuckle each other with the biggest fucking knuckle they could, you know. Where are they? Are their knuckles bigger than ever now? I have no idea, dude. I lost touch with these guys, but I kind of want to check in see uh, what happened. That's pretty metal. Yeah, it's that's intense. There was a a body modification magazine that kept doing April fool's articles where they would talk about like twin brothers who were with it. One of them removed a ring finger and they added it to the other brother. Whoa. <laughs> what? <laughs> so, so the other one could get double married. Right. Yes. It was, it, it was fake. This didn't actually happen. Uh, but it, that's not that much more implausible than this story that you just told. I just like really wonder what are the doors that are now open to the the bone trick the bone trick boys. <laughs> dude, I I want to know I want to know where they got the idea from, dude, cuz it was like what how do you guys just decide to periodically break your knuckles here? What the fuck is this? You should see my my dad's bone trick knuckles like, "Oh, Oh no. <laughs> All right. No results for Bone Trick Brothers in quotes. <laughs> wow. Like this is this is so off the wall that it really sounds like this isn't like a a folk game that they came upon like they that that middle schoolers have been playing for years or whatever. I think this is something they invented. Probably. And dude, they they would like really get aggressive with it like they'd really ham it up they'd be in the middle of like lunch class or something and they would just take like you know a textbook and one of them would put their finger on the table and just bash the textbook over oh and be like my ah! and this is they'd be doing this like regularly at like every day uh during roll call and stuff you know what the hell <laughs> I, and the worst part of it is like what you just described is such an utter contrast with just the name. Oh yeah, it's my my bone trick. <laughs> you know, it's my trick with bones. It's like a little magic I do trick it with that my I do. Bone trick brother. Yeah, obviously. We need to track these guys down. Uh, one, two, three, not it. I'll I'll see I'll see what I can do, dude. The bone trick brothers are definitely two of the forty-five brains. Ironically, they're in health insurance now. You know, they have the experience. It takes, you know, it takes a criminal to catch a criminal. <laughs> we specialize in bone tricks. I don't know. Knuckles. Knuckleheads. <laughs> specializing in knuckleheads legit, seems accurate. Legit knuckleheads for sure. Wow. That story, like, I, I know that it's real, but it sounds made up. Like, Dude, I could, I'm not creative enough to make that shit up, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> just like only from the mind of like a high schooler does the bone trick emerge. 
I, I think I'm going to have nightmares about this. <laughs> yeah, just imagine your fat, swollen knuckle hands, you know? Super hands. Uh, are we ready for another topic? So ready. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, my topic. So, just so you guys know, I was, I wasn't, I knew I wanted to put this topic in the podcast, but. I decided that before I figured out whether or not it was real or not. Turns out it's not real. This is a this is a hoax. Okay. But I'm but- going to talk about it as if it's I'm going to talk about it as if it's real. I read in a Twitter thread today that the all food p- photography of prawns in the UK used the same six genetically engineered prawns. The idea is that ch- prawns are bioluminescent, which plays hell with flash photography. And so if you need to put like a picture of a meal with prawns in it in your recipe book or any sort of like food photography deal, like an ad, you, what you do is you, you call up this one company that, that makes genetically engineered prawns. Apparently it's very difficult. They've only made six of them so far and they keep them on ice. Okay. And they ship them out to your photo shoot and you arrange them in the, in the meal that you've cooked and you take your photo real quick and then you put them back on ice and ship them back. Wow. So that's the myth? Or real? What part That's of it totally is totally fake. It's, this is some, something, some bullshit somebody made up. But it was, I thought the idea was so wonderfully evocative that I had to include it. Yeah, that, uh, that stirs my imagination to start thinking about, well, uh, you know, what are the secondary industries around these six genetically engineered <laughs> prawns? Or, you know, is there like a derivatives market where people are trading futures? <laughs> are they insured? Yeah, futures contracts and options against these prawns that are used for photo shoot delivery, that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and how, does it, uh, how does it compare to like people who just Photoshop prawns un- into the meal? Right. Is there legislation, copyright preventing that or something? You just uh, you're supposed to use these genetically engineered prawns. You can't Photoshop that. There's there's rights to this. Yeah, they they can bring the queen down on your ass. (laughs) There's like counterfeiting companies who are painting their prawns, but the authorities are onto them. (laughs) Oh, yeah. They just use wooden prawns. I'm pretty sure these are crawfish. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I think it's also interesting, like just the discussion of like, I I read this thread and I was total, I was totally bought into it for about 10 minutes. And it, it just kind of goes to show how difficult it is if someone has the right kind of authorial voice and like the appearance of, and they were, they were showing like photographs where like, see the, this prawn is recognizably identical to this other prawn and this other recipe, this other <laughs> recipe photo, because they're the same <laughs> one. And I didn't actually look too closely at the photo, but the fact that they were, they, they wrote it in a, a, a convincing tone and they included photo evidence, even though I didn't look at the photo evidence, it was convincing. It, it, it's, it's very difficult to be sure of. And this isn't even like they didn't even deep learning these prawns. Right. This is just regular old lying. I, I mean, Jim, I think you've you've excluded yourself from ever being uh, someone who protects prawns from identity theft of any kind. <laughs> no, nor would I want to. Those guys deserve what they get. Well, there's only six of them, so how hard could it be? <laughs> how how much suffering can six prawns really feel? Yeah, that's that's just like. That is a really enticing idea. Also, I I've, I definitely can 
imagine if I ever read anybody speak authoritatively about prawns, I would just believe them. Because, what I mean, I don't know the first thing about prawns, and I don't know anyone who would claim to. Your your mind is ready to absorb the first th- fact you hear about prawns <laughs> as the most important. Yeah, I can't wait until this turns up at bar trivia or something. <laughs> so, Jim, after you saw that prawns thread, did you, uh, like, start second-guessing anything else you read recently? And you were like, oh, man, did I just fall for that because it's an authoritative voice? Is that Do I need to, to fact-check everything I read now? What's going on? No, I was definitely only ever wrong about the one thing. <laughs> this is this is what I have to believe in order to live my life. Well, that's good. At least you got the one. Now you're good. Yeah. Yeah, I got, got my one mistake out of the way. Smooth sailing from here on. You're good. I, I definitely find, like, to slightly detour to something a little more serious, like, sometimes when, you know, when there's a lot of protests and things going on, there will be twitter threads or like articles floating around where journalists like try and dig deep into claims that are that are going viral and and figure out which ones are true and which ones are are false and usually by and large it's true but but they'll they'll always like find they'll be like this footage is from like 10 years ago not from last week and and it's right it's kind of scary to see that and be like wow if somebody didn't like work really really hard to figure this out it's you know just it just goes under the radar right like it doesn't even take that much diligence to i've seen threads retweeted where the link to an article like the the article is is presented as a current event but it's actually from like five years ago oh yeah and you can tell by looking at the date on the article if you click the link and it's just that like people see the headline and go buck wild yeah, that's that's very true. Yeah, I see that a lot. Headlines are powerful. That's true. More powerful than the actual article for sure. Definitely. And since they can they can convince you even faster than that thread. Well, I mean, I guess that thread you saw probably had a headline or did it just have a first tweet? You know, no, what it had was like it had an introduction that was like I was talking to a food photographer today and I wanted to share this fact that I learned. And if they had um, had a good headline tweet, I probably would have just retweeted it immediately. <laughs> That's true. What if, what if the headline was like, you will never believe this story about prawns? <laughs> and the subtext being, because it's not true. <laughs> Except that you will. So if this headline is false. False and yet all the more clickbaity. Yeah. Oh, the punchline of this, of the thread was that they were giving an example of like, and here's the problem with using uh, flash photography and real prawns. And they gave a photo uh, and it says that the prawns in this dish are rendered in completely invisible. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I don't know why that's really funny to me. It was like a really noisy, visually noisy photo. So I was like, maybe there's like a negative space prawn in there if I look real close. Uh, But then my sister actually like looked up that recipe on the internet, like looked up the ingredients and it does not contain prawns. Oh, that's some detective work. Yeah. Thanks, Elena. 
Well, they they were they were claiming they were bioluminescent, right? So I saw that it's like yeah. that's the glow in the dark, right? You'd expect some light refraction or something. Yeah, but that that also goes back to like the authoritative voice. You use a word like bioluminescent, and a lot of people just black out reading that and be like, "Yeah, serious, serious." Used a word I've heard scientists use. This is it's got to be real. <laughs> No one has seen a prawn. No one has cooked a a real prawn in decades now, and scientists are only just realizing it. <laughs> if it had if it had been true, or we hadn't discovered, or you hadn't discovered that it wasn't true, I wonder how this conversation would have been like so different. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I I should have I should have played it that way and found out. Are you ready for another topic? This topic is that the last topic was false. (laughs) (laughs) I want to open a hole in reality and pull in the episode of Topic Lords where Jim believed the topic to be true. Oh, it's yeah. Nice. It's out there in the multiverse somewhere. Not, Not far away, but getting farther away very fast. Oh, man, that would save so much. I could just... I wouldn't even have to record any more episodes. I could just put the, pull them all in from an alternate reality. Chop them up, edit them together, and then perf- yeah. perfect episodes. That would it would be full of like my alternate reality friends who don't exist here, and everybody would be like, "Who the hell is this guy?" <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! I'm tripping out about alternate reality, Jim. Now, like you you're not hanging out with. <laughs> indie game devs you're not in game dev you're like in a biker club or something and you're, like, <laughs> you're interviewing dudes named like rex and stuff you know oh man i should make a friends with a rex if there are any listeners named rex would you like to be on the show are you in a biker club that could be one of the topics i yeah. may have used i may have used a rex from a biker club as an example because i know one it was top of my mind so uh you know right right <laughs> does he listen to the show maybe he should he'll probably check he'll probably check this episode out you know oh yeah yeah every time someone names me in an episode of a podcast i just know immediately yeah it's it's just funny because the rex from the biker club is is not in an alternate universe they are actually in this universe (laughs) right 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 yeah oh my god if i was notified every time i was mentioned in a podcast anywhere in the multiverse and multiverse notifications that's a nightmare right there (laughs) yeah yep i don't even like most notifications from this universe uh if if you took just like all all topic lords in existence, which is a substantial amount uh, at this point, and just put it into like uh, an AI, one of those AIs that just like spits out sound, is that kind of like getting it from the multiverse? I'm philosophically, I th- I feel like they're fairly different, but I want to do it anyway. <laughs> is there the equivalent of GPT for audio? Uh, I actually think that there that this this is something you could do. There's a YouTube channel called DadaBots, um, D A D A B O T S. I think I actually may have we may have briefly talked about it on the last time I was on. But they so that they have a YouTube channel that has different kinds of procedurally generated like rock and metal, uh, and it's they they just like have a program that uh, they're they're researchers, but they train a program on just like an album 
of a band and then they just have it yeah. spit out a bunch of tracks and i think they have the links to everything you need to do it in the descriptions of their videos so this is not impossible man that sounds yeah you, you need to at least give this an attempt jim that would be awesome yeah i would like to my guess is feeding i don't i don't know exactly how this stuff works but my guess is that feeding an hour of music into an algorithm isn't enough to generate substantially new music with just an hour of music to go on. Like there aren't that many patterns to pick up on. Like there's going to be a chunk of song and the only other chunk of song to come after that in, in the, in the data that it knows is like the next part of the same song. So I would just expect it to spit out, mostly identical mostly songs that are identical to the existing music i mean i i think it's worth giving it a listen um it's it's really weird i i think in a lot of ways it is that where it's like it's playing riffs that are maybe very similar to the originals or at least certainly the music that comes out sounds a lot like the original obviously but like it'll sing lyrics that sound like words but they are not even remotely words and they're delivered at a cadence that sounds like lyrics but it's really not and it's really weird (laughs) that sounds awesome actually and and you've got like what like a hundred hours of of topic lords like half that 50 50 hours yeah that is a lot (laughs) You know, it is. Jim, was that the plan all along? Is Topic Lord some kind of training data like repository you're building here, or what? I honestly, like for real, I have thought about my my legacy in terms of like after I die, people, the people who miss me, will be able to listen to these fifty hours of me talking about things. And wouldn't it be even better if they were able to plug these fifty hours into an AI? And hear me go off on any number of new topics. <laughs> you, you're definitely well on your way to uh, having that training data in place. Yeah. 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 The other legacy that I have that I intend to have is I've been every episode I write up like I call them micro topics. I write up like 50 or 60. Like these are things that we touched on in conversation. Right. Yep. And there are now almost 3,000 of these. <laughs> and I was thinking of, of, of doing like a print-on-demand book for the first year of all the micro-topics for the first year of Topic Lords. Okay, that sounds interesting. That'd be a really nice top uh, coffee table book. For sure. Yeah, like if you want to have a conversation but you're not sure what to talk about, here's 3,000 things you can talk about. <laughs> <laughs> But and the the beginning is like a a selection method. <laughs> it's like, listen, you, we don't want you don't want to go through this and pick one. We we have a way of picking one for you. the The Twitter bot, the topic Twitter bot, uh, does that use the macro or micro topics? Those are the micro topics. When GPT three Jim is is you know narrating the podcast of the future, I'm really excited to know like what the I read a Twitter thread today that I found out what that was fake. It was blank. (laughs) What comes after the blank? Yeah. The other thing that I think, I think you might get better results if by operating on the text. So if you ran the podcast through like a transcriber software, and I don't think there's any transcription software out there that can separate 
different speakers. Mm. I have three, there are three people on every episode. And if you run it through speech to text, you're going to get just a stream of words. And sometimes it's like a pretty convincing, like pretty good transcription, but none of them like try to separate like out. Now this person's talking, now this person's talking, which would be, which would be important for the show. Uh, But I bet if you, I'm guessing if you ran just the, the literal audio through them, some, some sort of deep learning mechanism, what you'd get on the, out the other side is like the lyrics. Yeah. Something like that's similar to English speech with the right cadences, but no actual word content. But if you did a transcription first and then ran the transcription through GPT-3, I bet you'd get something interesting. Uh, I believe there's already like transcription stuff for court cases uh, on the market to to do that, to separate the different speaker audio. Oh, man. Uh, Running a trial. We're currently like the justice system is all backed up right now. Instead of actually playing out the trial, we could just we could just do like the first minute of the minute of the (laughs) trial and then send that minute through GPT-3 to see how the rest of it goes and just like just search for verdict. Dude, that's, that sounds like a game idea right there. It's like uh, Ace Attorney, but GPT-3 generated court cases simulator. You can, you can run the, the traffic court on Bug Mars. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that idea for some reason. Yeah. Are we are we still talking about prawns? Oh, <laughs> you could argue uh, you could argue a prawn is a bug, and we just left Bug Mars. So yeah, yeah, maybe we're still on it. This is the first time on Topic Lords that I've forgotten what topic we're on. <laughs> the topics have started creating themselves. <laughs> yeah. The topics are running the show now, so I'm just gonna guess. I think we just did the one about the prawns. So now we're gonna do. This is a write-in. Not a butt face asks. Numbers in games are too big. We sh- oh, this is a long paragraph. All right, you ready for this? Yep. Numbers yep. in games are too big. We should just use smaller numbers. Yu-Gi-Oh and Final Fantasy monsters having tens of thousands of HP, and your attacks doing hundreds of thousands of damage looks cool when you have those quad nines pop up. But games like Paper Mario or Mega Man Battle Network keep keeping damage and health numbers in the tens to hundreds range means you can mentally calculate damage difference and feel the impact more granularly this is a topic so jim you introduced me to a podcast called the spelunky show like which is now called eggplant or the eggplant show or something and really they changed the name yeah they changed it like last week because because they because they finally did their last episode about spelunky 2 and and so so but they're continuing to do the show Uh Uh but they they really like to talk about the topic. They one of them, one or more of them, calls it chunky integers in games, mm-hmm. where it's like very meaningful. Like one versus two is like a huge difference. Yeah, I I agree with this topic. I think like you know people they can't relate to big numbers after a certain point. Like when when you start talking about millions and billions, you know people just black out. They can't think about that, but. I feel like I feel like that starts even smaller and a lot of games do abuse that. Yeah. And I feel like there is more weight when you use smaller numbers uh, and people can relate to that easier. Yeah. I remember 
playing Super Mario Brothers and realizing that it, it's only possible to score in multiples of 50. So why not just have the <laughs> divide the score by 50 and have that be the score? And, and, and like Super Mario Brothers has a bad scoring system anyway, but... I was going to say, maybe <laughs> it's not divide the score by 50, it's don't multiply it by 50. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Well, I wouldn't be surprised. Actually, no, I ha- I do actually happen to know the NES, uh, the, you, the version of the 6502 in the NES does not have BCD support. I don't know what that means. I don't either. Oh, binary coded decimal. Um, oh. Calculators will use this sometimes. It is uh, when you... Instead of a, a hex value of uh, zero zero to FF, you just use the two uh, nibbles, the two hex digits to go from zero to nine. Oh, that's funny. So you're just like wasting like almost half of each uh, byte, a little a little less than two bits. Um, but a lot of CPUs have instructions for operating in this mode and. One of the advantages of this kind of way of storing numbers is that you don't need to divide by 10 to display the number. Oh, because it's just already, it's ready to be looked yeah, at by a human. It's ready to, ready to be blitted to the, oh, to the tile I buffer. See. Wow, that's kind of interesting. My my programmer brain is just immediately like, I would immediately mess that up and have digits with not numbers in them. Just like your score is three seven two blank two o five, right? Like, oops, a little extra something got in there. Well, Super Mario Brothers beat you to that too because your your life can be like one crown or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, true, right? So I the most extreme counter example or or just like game that completely throws this away that may have actually been mentioned in the question, I can't remember, is Cookie Clicker, which I have been playing recently. And by playing, I mean tending to, because it's, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, like a game, yeah. but not really. It's kind of... It's more like weeding a garden. Yeah, it's a little like feeding a virtual pet, except you're just clicking on some cookies. But yeah, I have... Um, or the highest my bank has gotten so far is like five duo decillion cookies which is like (laughs) you know it's like a trillion 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 whatever yeah Uh, where it's like it's just absurdly and meaninglessly big and and it's like to the point where it's obviously unfathomable but it's like beyond unfathomable and it's like i just look at the number and then i look at the price of something that i have to buy and if the name matches then I'm probably going to be able to buy it soon. And if it doesn't match, if it doesn't match, then I might be like a million X away from being able to buy it or something <laughs> like too high or too low. And it's just, it's just zero. So, so you're just looking for the word duodecillion. Yeah, exactly. And then if you turn it, if you, you can tell it not to use number names and then it'll just be like, you have like 1.6 times 10 to the 35 cookies. <laughs> yeah. And um, this is, like as far as I know, this is actually how astronomers think in terms of like the only thing that really matters is the order of magnitude. Mm-hmm. That's what you're really comparing yeah, when you yeah. compare like sizes and and distances. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Sometimes I think about like, is this an example of a chunky integer? Like the size of an ant compared to the size of me? Well, I guess the ant wouldn't be a chunky integer. Am I the chunky integer? I don't know. 
I think about this a lot. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I think that the, the chunky energy, at least to how I perceive it, would be if the ant could only be either one one unit or two units, like there's no sizes of ant in between those two. So if like the ant is a centimeter long, there's no ant that's a centimeter and a half long. Mm-hmm. It just jumps right up to two. Yeah. So so the so you look at you look at some ants and you're like, oh, those are some two ants, and then the the queen ant is is a three, maybe. Right. That's how you know you've made it as an ant. Yeah. The downside of of chunky integers is that you can get into like it it can be lead to like design weirdness where you know if you start with one hit point adding one hit point when you level up doubles your health which is a huge difference mm-hmm. and it can lead to, like in, in at that point like it's impossible to say well no i don't want to increase your health by health by that much i want to increase it by 50% instead but you can't actually do that when you're dealing with tiny integers like that and that's the that's one of the design constraints you have to work within. Yeah, I imagine that's really hard. Also, if if you're like, if this enemy does too much damage, it's like, well, like it's either going to do way too much damage or way too little damage by changing the actual number. So it's like, do I reduce the amount that I will encounter it by like 5%? Is that the same? And like, I feel like in practice, it's not because in, in, um, so I worked on, uh, the remake of Toe Jam and Earl recently, and that that was one thing. Like w- the higher level enemies would just obliterate you if you weren't like ready for them. Like they would either just instantly obliterate you, or they were like not that close to being able to do that. So the only knobs you could really tweak were yeah, it's like how how fast are they? That you can kind of do fractionally. How likely are you to encounter them? But but a lot of times, you know if if you're just changing random spread, then it still feels super random. So it's like you still get the chunk of the integer of when you encounter this thing, you will die. Yeah. And that was the case in the original game too. And like, I'm I'm a little bit surprised that you guys didn't take steps. I guess you were just talking about the steps you took to fix that, but. Yeah. I mean, the a lot of the design of the new version of that game was intended to be a lot like the first one um you can totally rethink it and and also i i wasn't the one making almost any of these decisions um but it's like yeah you can totally rethink the game then it's it's just a different game now you know it's not it's not the thing that it is it it did feel a lot like you know how nethack was designed over a period of 30 years by a team of dozens of people working over the internet internet mm-hmm. it did feel like tojam and earl the new Toe Earl kind of felt like if there had just been a team, like a ragtag team of internet people uh, elaborating on the original Toe Earl idea since then. Mm-hmm. Just one person was like, I'm going to add uh, the kitchen. I'm, I'm going to add a fountain. And if you dip a ring in the fountain, uh, a different thing will happen depending on what ring it is. You know, that, that sort of thing. Is that a feature of NetHack? That is a feature of NetHack, okay. yeah. I was like, that's not, I've never played NetHack. I played a tiny bit of the original Rogue on a Game Boy Advance emulator on my phone, as one does. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because that was like the easiest way to play it, which is really weird. Um, that is weird. That's, that's a surprise to me. Yeah. But uh, 
that seems like a very net hack thing. I've, I've heard people talk about it all the time. And I, I feel like also it's because uh, a lot of folks in the game design space are are like a little bit older than me. And so like if I had been a few years older, I probably would have played it. Yeah, yeah. NetHack is... So th- this kind of makes what I said about Tojamiral not really a compliment necessarily. NetHack is a big mess. Like <laughs> yeah. it is a bunch of people who aren't really game designers just deciding I'm just going to add this feature because it's cool. And like, hopefully when you add them all together into the stew, they add up to something interesting. It's like designed by chaos. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. It is interesting. It is like, and and it's not like, there are some things that as a game designer, I would definitely change, but it is interesting and it is largely fun to play, but it's also like, what an incredible learning curve. Mm-hmm. Like I was playing that game on and off for five years before I finished it. Wow. Wow. You finished it. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Five, five years. That's impressive. Yeah. Are we ready for another topic? I think so. All right. Kev, your topic is Michael Jackson and the Sonic 3 soundtrack. Oh, man. So, uh, this just came up today. I was talking to some people about this or somebody referenced this. But if you're not familiar, it is rumored that Michael Jackson was collaborating with Sega on the Sonic 3 soundtrack. And there's no hard evidence on whether he worked on it or not. Uh, I saw some YouTube documentaries that had pretty good antidotal evidence that his team actually worked on Sonic 3 and they produced a lot of the melodies and the songs and like the samples for the soundtrack. And then they later reused a lot of those pieces for some of uh, Michael's own music and everything. Uh, Right. And yeah, that, that folklore is like really fascinating to me. Yeah. So what's the idea that like the, 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 his production team, like in the studio, uh, was working on Sonic 3 and then like went back and redid those same songs to be Michael Jackson songs. Yeah, so his his production team wrote some hooks or like some riffs, you know, used them in Sonic and then later went back and reused them in his uh, own tracks with like different instruments or whatever. Uh, and there's, there's a lot of footage on YouTube where people would do side by side comparisons. Um, and yeah. be like, okay, here's, here's the level in Sonic. And then, okay, here's the sample from, you know, Michael, uh, I don't know. He has this one song. It's like a night in Moscow or like sometime in Russia or stranger, whatever. Stranger in Moscow. Yeah. There you go. Thank you. So that one is like a du- there's like a direct sample in there. You can see and be like, Oh damn. All right. This is a real thing. <laughs> I've heard the comparison tracks. Do you know what the timeline is on the releases for those? Like, did that album come out? We could just look it up right now. 
So my uh, quick understanding is that like Michael was really into Sonic 2 and then he wanted to get involved with Sonic 3, reached out to Sega, started like, I think he was personally involved, started producing it with his team, but then he had a, you know, one of his lawsuits come up, one of his sexual allegations. He decided to strip his name from the whole project and just, you know, part ways with it because of that. Uh, So that was the whole time frame. Okay, so Sonic the Hedgehog 3 came out in 1994, um, and the Michael Jackson album History, Past, Present, and Future Book 1 came out in 1995. It's Yeah, that's totally plausible to me, like that explanation that – he actually, he and his team actually worked on the soundtrack and and were eventually just not credited, even though the work was the same. Yeah, I, I the documentary I saw, they tracked it down to even more like substantial evidence where like, uh, I don't know, like a bass player, one of the producers on Michael's team was either credited in Sonic 3 uh, in the credits. And then they, you know, connected the dots through that and then found this guy's like, personal portfolio of music tracks and it was like oh here's here's the same sample from like the ice level in sonic 3 you know like (laughs) yeah uh, so it was like there were more concrete dots to connect there as well i'm excited to go down this youtube rabbit hole this sounds like something really interesting and and i'm trying to imagine like wanting you know wanting so bad just to like work on sonic and 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 being like you know, I don't want my name on this. I just want to touch the Sonic game. Yeah, that's messed up to think yeah. about. Just want to be a part of part of this beautiful work. I haven't played Sonic Three. I'm sure it's good. Well, and <laughs> it's that's cool from like you know just like a, a video games are like an art acknowledgement thing for Michael Jackson. If he did that at the time, mm-hmm. I was like, hell yeah, I'll do a soundtrack for this. This is rad. Yeah, that's so cool. Just like thinking about yeah, that yeah. is really cool. I, I think it's I think it's even cooler of a mystery than the mystery of the prawns. Uh and, and it <laughs> might be real. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to looking looking into this some. Now now I'm waiting for my sister to listen to this episode and debunk it. Yeah. <laughs> is it Oh, I'd love to I'd love to see it. Is it a sample if you just borrow like the the melody? But but it's from your own brain. So like, is that count as sampling? Because like, you're not sampling the audio, but you're sampling the thought or something. That's that's not technically sampling. I'm not sure what you call that. This uh, this goes back to what we were talking about with like audio generation from these AIs you were talking about. And you you guys were talking about how like, are you stealing at that point if the AI writes the same song and. Dude, there's like tons of meme videos out there on YouTube where it's like these these famous pop songs all have the same chord progression, yeah, right? right yeah. The dude the dude sits there and plays through like living on a pr- I don't you know, yeah. you know, just journey yeah. or whatever into like Miley Cyrus or whatever and that's a that's a thing you see often and is that, you know, like the same is that sampling or is that stealing or is that just people come to the same conclusion? fairly often yeah i mean i think like those chord progressions are just kind of like the backbone of all popular music right yeah and like the whether or not you like music is largely predicated on how familiar it is to you that's interesting so so much of it is is building off of other things that have come before and if you listen to something that is trying to be wholly original it's usually 
unlistenable. Yeah, we're talking like Captain Beefheart, uh, Troutfish Replica Mask album or whatever that <laughs> you listen you listen to it and it's violating. You know, I had a friend <laughs> tell me this 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 album makes me feel like I'm violating. You listen to something that fresh, right? Right. Does that mean like if you listen to Michael Jackson or play Sonic Three, you are suddenly find yourself inclined to do the other? Or, or, you know, maybe you have to do each one one time and you're like, wow, I I love this Michael Jackson album so much. And I just have never really listened to Michael Jackson that much before I played Sonic 3. Yeah, I, there's definitely some uh, some connection that has been made since I learned about this. Now I'm like, hell yeah, Michael Jackson. What a great artist, you know, nice. like uh, a new, <laughs> new appreciation. No, he worked on Sonic Three. Yeah, yeah that's, he's a good. That's, he's a good artist after all. Yeah, that's the one who worked on Sonic Three. I've heard. I've heard of him before. I, I really appreciate when things just. I mean, I guess a lot of things have a lot more depth than they seem to on the face of it. But just you know, and there's like these. It's like a secret in real life. Like that's weird, but it's it's it has a similar appeal. Yeah, yeah. It's like playing an arg. Yeah. But you're just you're just living. <laughs> I guess that's part of the arg. You know, you guys were talking about Sonic here, and I kind of have like a segue Sonic topic I want to throw out quick. But I recently played this game. It was called Sonic Robo Blast Two, and it's a a Sonic Doom mod, right? So it's like the two D Sonic sprites in the Doom model in three D. And it is the best fucking 3D Sonic game I have ever played. It's really impressive. Highly recommend it. it Quick chill. Is it a Sonic game or a Doom game? It is a Sonic. It's a Sonic game. Oh, so, wow. you know, like cheerful music, fast paced action, you know, tune sprites, all that kind of stuff in 3D. Wow. <laughs> but, but the Doom engine doesn't support slopes or curved surfaces. So how can you do the loop de loop? Uh, I don't think the loop de loop is in there, Jen. That's a great point. This is this is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> well, shit! I just hammed that up. Now I'm like, this is kind of bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I'm definitely gonna please check that out on YouTube. Yeah, that sounds so sick. What's it called again? Sorry. I guess I can ask you after. Sonic Robo Blast Two, and it's like it's multiplayer too, oh like gosh. like LAN multiplayer. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. I wonder if the first one was like like existed in any public way, or if it was one of those things where it was like a personal project by somebody that lives somewhere on a dusty old hard drive, and then two went out. I think it's the dusty hard drive scenario because this is not like an officially licensed Sonic oh, game. Yeah. Totally, totally like an open source, like hack thing, you know, a labor of love for sure. Shit, man. I'm looking at a YouTube video of this. This looks really good. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know what I'm doing after this. Now, if only Michael Jackson was on the soundtrack for this thing. Best <laughs> Sonic game of all time right there. Hands down. You just, you could just use the Thriller album as the, uh, as the soundtrack good given, enough <laughs> given that it's a fan mod anyway yeah true <laughs> go full on license just really oh this this game has sloping surfaces in it so this must be like a a super modded version of the doom engine yeah I, I think it's a fork of the doom engine with some custom stuff in it maybe it does have the loop-de-loop -loop. well i'm gonna i'm gonna find out later <laughs> yeah it could
they invented room over room just to have the loop de loop in Sonic Robo Blast too. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Cutting edge of technology. All right, that's the, all the time we have for topic lords this week. Kev, if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Kev Zettler and also at Radcade.com, the raddest place to play web games and learn about indie game news. <laughs> and I'd like to say, Jim, thanks for having me here. This is a great place you got here. A lot of nice topics here. Really screams party. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> That's great to hear. Do you have like a editorial, like do you have a, like a editorial staff writing indie game news? I do have uh, a part-time paid employee who just came out of the woodwork and is now writing some reviews and content. So it's about to pick up the content pace. Nice. That's awesome. Excellent. Shaul, if this is something that you want, where can people find you, people find you on the internet? And who is your part-time employee? <laughs> uh, I'm on Twitter at, at Mr. Chris L. Hall. That's MR Chris L. Hall. And I'm employee-free. I'm, I'm a leaf node on the employment tree. <laughs> so, uh, and I, I really don't mind. <laughs> oh man. The root note is Disney, right? I, I think so. Everybody's <laughs> going to be employed by Disney yeah, or Walmart or both. This Sonic game looks fucking amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still watching this video. We, uh, we will have to try some network multiplayer or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much for being on topic Lords. Thank you so much, Jim. It's been a pleasure talking to both of you. Hi, this is Jim. This is the audio I append to every episode of Topic Lords. Congratulations to our newly anointed lords. If you'd like more people to hear the show, you can tell your friends about it or rate and review us on whatever podcast service you use. You can add content to the Topic Bucket by emailing topicbucket at topiclords.com. You can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com slash topiclords. Patrons get episodes a week early, and you get access to the Topic Lords Discord, where you can discuss topics with all the lords that hang out in there. See you next episode!